the Action Network podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your NFL Week 6 betting preview where we'll talk about our favorite totals, teasers, underdogs, and of course, build our weekly Sunday six-pack of Against the Spread bets with the help of my co-host, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky Stuck. What's going on? What's going on, brother? I saw a tweet of yours that you are 41-17 and 17 on the air. Yeah. I'm 35-17. and 17. I'm, I can't even... 35-7 and 7 isn't even the best on this podcast, but I got reverse swept on... Yeah, on the six pack last week, so I'm going to count it as a loss, especially since I, I losing week. I think I think I ended up nine and four, but I'm going to count as losing week because I want every single one of those to hit. And I lost Survivor. Thank you, Jags. <laughs> Jacksonville, Jack. If you look at that box score, how did Jacksonville lose that game? By the way, they had, they turned it over three times. They went over three on fourth down, so over three in the red zone. I think they had like 200 more yards, but that's my second six pack loss of all time on the Ravens. Both times I had a favorite of three and the favorite one by two. I don't know why Harbaugh didn't try to go up 10. He went up six. At, but since when did the Ravens do that? Fourth and one inside the he 10? Got, he got shook from all the, uh, like, what was it? Five losses by a combined, like nine points or something like that at home. Like, I yeah. think he just, I think he just wanted to switch it up. Very frustrating. Cooper Rush cost me, but I, I'm gonna t- <laughs> I'll take the L on that one. Um, <laughs> it was uh, the Rams were way worse than the, I mean, the Cowboys defense. Time again, they get a defense touchdown right away. Cooper Rush didn't have to work, so survivor's done. But what are you gonna do? We are on to this week, and uh, hopefully, we can yeah. keep it keep it moving. Last week was last week. This week was this week. Next week will be next week. I mean, we got to, man. We went 0-6. We're having, like, a good season. But, of course, we pick just bets that don't hit on the uh, on the six-pack. We'll get into Thursday night football in a second. A quick heads up to all of our listeners out there. The MLB playoffs have arrived, which means new episodes of Action Network's baseball betting podcast, Payoff Pitch, every weekday starting this week and all the way through the World Series. If you want to bet some playoff baseball, check out Payoff Pitch, hosted by Brendan Glasheen with Colin Whitchurch, Sean Zerillo and Anthony DeBundo. All right, time to talk some Thursday night football. So let's get the show started with Washington, Chicago. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. (laughs) A typical Thursday night game. Chicago's favored by one at home. The total's 37 and a half. So this is like the Thursday night theist of the Thursday nighty games. Logan Thomas is out for Washington. Justin Fields coming off his best game uh, in a while, or at least this year, 15 of 21, 208 yards, a touchdown, uh, two sacks. So what did you think of Fields, first of all, uh, in his performance last week? I don't know. I guess it's a step in the right direction. Um, I still need to see way more from this team that's still, in a game that they averaged, they were down to almost 21. 
That's how many times they threw the ball. They are averaging 17 pass attempts a game. The second fewest is 24, which it's just insane. It's like a we have like these in college, we have like the, the service academies just never throw. Like the Bears are the closest thing we have to a service academy that runs like the triple option. So I'll need to see much, much more fields in a Bears offense before I make any sort of significant upgrade because if you look at the season-long numbers, they're really bad. Travis Kelsey caught more touchdowns in three hours than the Bears have in five games. <laughs> That's amazing. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, you talked about Wentz. I mean, it, this is what this dude does. He just he just can't seem to deliver covers. He can't seem to get wins for this Washington team. It's, it is a toss-up, I would say. Um, like, if I were to bet Carson Wentz and, and this Washington team, and I, I won't, but hypothetically, I wouldn't say this is a terrible spot to do it. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, I might be on the, the commander small here. Nothing big. I, I doubt I'll watch this game. Um, <laughs> there's college football on. There's baseball playoffs. What, hockey? There's fast. There's all kinds of stuff on. I don't. I wouldn't waste my time on the main screen, at least watching this game it is going to be ugly 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 these are two teams that are dead they're 31st and 32nd success rate uh in non-garbage time on offense so this is going to be some ugly ugly football but you know like i mentioned the bears they don't throw the ball they rely on their run and one of the one of the reasons why i like the commanders last week was that their run day has been trending up and for the season their top five in epa per run and rush success rate Here's what the last three opponents have done against them on the ground. Titans, 32 for 105. Henry did nothing. Eagles, 30 for 72. Cowboys, 29 for 62. I mean, those are three offenses that you say, okay, like a pretty pretty damn good rushing, rushing attacks. Past three games against those three opponents, 91 carries, 239 yards. It's 2.6 yards per carry. So, you know, I think that, what's going to happen is that their run defense, I know William Jackson isn't traveling. That doesn't mean anything to me. Um, but I think that the bears are going to have trouble establishing the run against this Washington defense. That's been shutting it down over the past month. And that's going to put the game in the hands of fields and these receivers. I, and, and you know, if it's a, if it's a, a matter of fields and the bears receivers against Wentz and Washington and their receivers, I'll side with Washington small, but man, this one's ugly. Do you, uh, any love for the under? I know, you know, Thursday night totals tend to go under more often than not, but uh, I mean, there's really no margin for error almost down there at like 38, 37 and a half. Yeah. I would lean under, but yeah, there's, and, and for whatever, what it's worth under is between 37 and 40 on uh, Thursday night football have just been free money in the past, but that doesn't mean that it's, going to be the case in the future i i would lean under but yeah it's right it's right where it should be if it's if you got this at like 40 i think it opened maybe at 41 40 um i think under was the play but i think it's come down to where it should be given how good washington's run defense has been i wouldn't be surprised if chicago at least schemes up some type of throwing maybe to catch him off guard you know maybe a deep shot or two to mooney or something so yeah it it could get dicey with the under uh, all right, let us jump into the Sunday six pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six pack. All right, you're up first. You're up by one on the season. Where are you going? For my first pick, 
of the Sunday six pack presented by FanDuel. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers plus eight and a half. Uh, you didn't take them, and, and you've they've burned you the past couple yeah. of weeks. Um, <laughs> this is I haven't been on them since their opening game against the Bengals. I think that this is finally the rah rah spot. What a rah rah Mike Tomlin spot. We win the game with this crew of bodies right here today. Uh, bring your game today. Woo! Like this is the spot of the, one of the most embarrassing losses in franchise history coming home against the Bucks with, you know, yeah, a crowd that's probably going to be excited about the rookie quarterback. You know, he didn't urinate down his leg, man. That's a great place to begin. And this is your season. You lose this game, it's done. Good night. Like literally in the AFC. So I expect this is the classic rah-rah. Here we go, defense! They're going to come out with their hair on fire. Now, there's injuries on the, in their defensive backfield. We'll see who ends up playing. There's also injuries in the Bucks' defensive backfield. Regardless, I could sit here and give you all kinds of Tomlin home dog stats. I could give you Brady stats that'll look good after a loss. Let the greatest of all time look at your work. None of them have been covering over the past two weeks. There's it's just a, a gut feel thing with me, the Tomlin spots. But also, this is an auto... Almost an auto play for me in the NFL when it's after a team loses by 35 plus. And I think that this line should be seven. So we're, and we're getting eight and a half here. Every team's pretty much going to be in a rah rah spot after you lose by 35 plus. And then you tend to get a little bit of value um, as a result the next week. I mean, by the way, this will be the biggest, potentially the biggest dog the Steelers have been in 40 years. When you're out of time, we all know it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I just go hard all day until we at that point where we know it. And over over the uh, past 20 years, are 17, 4, and 3 against the spread as a home dog. But listen to this. Teams that lost by 35-plus the week before are 71, 41, and 5, 63.5% over the past 20 years, covering by, the, by about a field goal per game. When they're catching more than a field goal, so if they're an underdog by three or more points, they're 47 17 and two, just, just, just 73%. It's decent over the past 20 years. And uh, just home dogs in general off 24 point plus 24 or more point loss. So if any team that's lost by 24 more the week before the following week, if they're a home dog, 57 and a half percent since 1980 sample size of 390 games. Like that's, in the NFL, one of the hardest markets to beat. That's pretty solid. If you're gonna and if you're going to fade the Bucks and Tom Brady specifically, road favorite over a touchdown, you know, he's 500 in his career. Everywhere else, he's elite against the spread. And this Bucks team is just not the same team. There's a reason why they have not been covering this year. Their offensive line is a mess. They cannot run the ball because they can't block, and their defense has injuries in the secondary. It's why they let Mariota come back. And I mean, it was un- un- unlucky, but Mariota and company came back in the second half from 21 nothing down. They lost both of their corners. They lost the safety. So they're beat up there. I actually like some of the things I saw from Pickett. It's a huge upgrade, I think, for Mitch Bortles. Mm-hmm. So I am happy to go to war with Pickett and, and that Pickett to Pickens connection. Um, so I think that there's a little bit of value in Steelers. Desperation effort here for their season. And uh, I'll take over a touchdown with a team that lost by 35 to the best team in the NFL on the road last week. 
Yeah, and, you know, probably should have talked about it at the top, but, you know, week six is kind of like that last week early in the year. It's it's a big underdog week, or at least it has been historically. Um, you know, it, like the market, you know, weeks one to three, it's kind of big underdog weeks. Everyone's overreacting. But then it kind of calms down in weeks four and five. But week six, since 2005, uh, underdogs are 130, 102, and seven. That's 56%. But I found about seven or eight underdog trends for week six that are all a graded in the uh, in bet labs uh, that hit over 60 percent so like i have 12 bet labs trends popping up for the steelers <laughs> in this game uh wow. and, and none for the bucks <laughs> of course so yeah, are but, you are you gonna be gun shy or are you gonna join somebody gotta be all in for everybody to be all in Whew. i mean I, i'm well, not doing that show. both of these got, teams I, have yeah, owned got, you. exactly it's like i'm 41 and 17 and it's pretty sure i have like six of those losses like a third of those losses are just steelers and bucks betting on tomlin and brady to like right the ship and it just has well, at least they play each other that's only, it's only one game but <laughs> it's like I, I can't bet on both of them that's the problem like usually you could just like bet you you know try to get your money back just keep keep doubling up your units until you win but like i can't bet on both of them one of them is gonna lose and so it's like it's not as intriguing but i know the stairs are the right play the stairs are definitely the right play it's it's probably sick as our listeners are of hearing that uh, the Steelers are indeed the right play. All right, for my first pick and the second overall pick of the week, number six, Sunday Six Pack presented by FanDuel, going with the Jacksonville Jaguars plus one and a half at Indianapolis. And this isn't the usual Jaguar spot where we go in Jacksonville, but this Indianapolis team, I, I want to fade this Indianapolis team and I want to do it. Uh, I want to buy low on this Jaguars team because this Indianapolis team is terrible. Like it's really just a terrible football team. And now they still like they're coming off a 10 day break. It still looks like they're missing guys. They have, uh, you know, Shaq Leonard still hasn't returned to practice. You have Quiddy Pay got hurt. Pay got hurt. So he's dealing with an injury, right? It, you know, uh, Taylor, Jonathan Taylor still hasn't returned to practice after that long layoff, which yeah. is probably the most concerning. Uh, so, you know, this team got outgained by Jacksonville, you know, by like a hundred yards in that first, in that first matchup. Granted, they didn't have Michael Pittman, but they did have Jonathan Taylor. You know, it's not like they had nobody uh, and they got outgained 331 to 218 by Jacksonville. Even more concerning, they had nine first downs in that game. Nine first downs. Now, okay, you look at this Colts team and, you know, what's happened since then, you know, they've got a couple wins. We we were on them against Kansas City. They get lucky against Denver. But Jacksonville, on the other hand, you know, they they lose ugly to to the Texans last week. Well, Jacksonville, as you pointed out earlier, they outgained the Texans 422 to 248 in that game. They had issues in the red zones, things that will kind of revert back to the norm over time, but forget yeah, that. over three on fourth down. Yeah, uh, yeah. They went, they turned it over, lost a turnover battle. They yep. they went 0 for three in the red zone and the Texans went one for one scoring touchdowns. Yeah, but I, even with that, like I saw a lot of things that I think are encouraging. I Well, Trevor Lawrence, he's missing some throws high. Like he has to settle down a little bit, but Travis Etienne, uh, they're starting to unleash him and he's looking really good. I think he adds a, an element to that offense that they need, you know, a little explosiveness, a little juice and uh, Evan Ingram. we got an Evan Ingram sighting. And I think, you know, long-term that's also going to help Lawrence because the receiving core is actually pretty good. 
you know, it's been somewhat inconsistent, but I, I think it's pretty good. So uh, like w- the offense, but let's just look at the metrics, you know, this season, you know, Jacksonville kind of had, it was like the darling early on and been up and down. Jacksonville is number seven in overall DVOA on the year. The Indianapolis Colts, 32, dead last. The Indianapolis Colts are not only by the eye test, but by the advanced metrics, the worst team in football. You know, and Jacksonville's top 10 in pressure rate. Matt Ryan cannot, he just can't survive under pressure. He's fumbling a ball. He's already got double-digit fumbles. He's throwing bad interceptions. Uh, he's one of the worst rated quarterbacks under pressure. Uh, and now he doesn't have an offensive line. Uh, Kelly, their, their center, he also missed practice. So, you know, this offensive line has been bad. Even the, even the players that are supposed to be good. The Colts are 32nd dead last in offensive DVOA, dead last in total DVOA. I just don't think this is a good football team. And, like, we might be looking back to this Colts team. I mean, Atlanta's feisty. Seattle and Detroit can score. Houston has a pulse. This might, this really might be the worst team in the National Football League. So, you know, I, I don't think just because you're in Jacksonville and you switch to Indianapolis, like, you know, you get nine first downs and you just can't, you just don't matter. And by the way, it's not just at home. Indianapolis under Frank Reich, one in seven with one push against the spread versus the Jaguars. So it's not just in Jacksonville. Like they just haven't figured out this team since Reich took over. I'm, I'm just fading everything to do with this Colts team. Give it to Jags. Yeah, I don't mind taking the Jags here, but I'd rather tease them and we'll talk about that in our teaser segment later. I am just a bit concerned. Like, I'm pretty sure that Indianapolis is not good. I think the Jacksonville's going to win the division, the best team in the division. They just have some puzzling, head-scratching losses. I mean, look, they lost to Washington. We talked about how <laughs> Washington is, is terrible and can't beat anybody. Then, you know, you still lose to the Texans. Trevor Lawrence's numbers against cover two are a bit worrisome. And that was that was one of the takeaways from last week. If you look last, the only two games that he faced cover two, uh, majority of the game, were last week's opener and his open is debut against Texans and then last week against the Texans. And yeah, he didn't, he didn't look great. So I don't know. I'm still trying to get a feel for the Jags. I think that they have more upside than the Colts and maybe I'm just sour grapes because they ruined survivor for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's, you know, you look at that, the, the Philly game too is in like weather. Um, they played the chargers who had a bunch of guys hurt. So it's, I'm having trouble just grasping where they stand. So I don't mind your play, but I'd rather tease them in the range that they're at. You know, two. We'll talk about that later. So uh, yeah, I'll save I'll save them for that segment. Uh, let me give a let me give a couple. I mentioned you know big underdog week. Uh, I'll give a couple of trends for Jacksonville. Week six dogs off a loss of seven or more, so lo- loss of a touchdown or more. Fifty one and 62 percent since two thousand and five. Uh, week week six dogs below fifty percent against the spread uh, coming in. 67 43 and one 61 percent i mean it's really uncanny like to the point where i like i'm almost at the point where i could i could give you a reason to bet every single dog on this on this slate like it's just it's just one of those weeks because it's kind of like you know when you're modeling and like the first few weeks everything's it's overreactions but like now it's like you have pretty much only the new season data but teams are also changed like teams teams that like struggled early on are like switching things up so it just creates an interesting situation i think uh, this week yep. with, with underdogs, you know, not necessarily for the same reasons that they're profitable in weeks one to three, but still, uh, you know, one of those kind of weeks where uh, I think people, you know, the favorites are a little overvalued. But uh, yeah, where are you going with your second? 
Okay, for my second pick of the third overall of the week six Sunday six pack presented by FanDuel, I'm going with the Miami Dolphins plus three and a half at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, we're rolling with Skylar Thompson, the seventh round draft pick rookie. We've seen backups have success in their first starts in the past, and I think that Thompson could have success here. Look, there's not going to be a lot of tape on him, but more importantly, he didn't look great last week, but he'll get to run with the ones all week here. And Bridgewater, it looks like Tua was ruled out. Bridgewater, I think, will clear concussion protocol, be the backup per Mike McDaniel. I Maybe if Thompson really struggles, he'll come in. But I think Thompson will, will be okay here in his first start. We've seen backups have success in this role. Looks like Tyreek Hill is okay. I think the speed at receiver for Miami can cause a lot of issues for this Minnesota defense. And this Minnesota defense, by the way, has been bad. I mean, we saw Justin Fields last week finally have his best game against this defense. The only time we've seen the Vikings on the road, they got crushed in Philadelphia. And if you look, I, th- I think the Vikings are a bit of a paper tiger. Their wins are over Green Bay to start the year at home. Doesn't look as great now. They beat Detroit in a game they should have lost at home. They beat the Saints backup team by three in London, and then they beat the Bears by seven at home. So like most of their damage is coming at home. They're one game on the road. They were blown out. I don't like anything about this. what I'm seeing from this defense right now. So I think with a week to prepare, with Thompson running with the ones, the Miami offense will be okay. It also looks like Xavier Howard will go. I hope yeah. Armstead could go with his toe, which is big. And maybe you get Austin Jackson, who came off IR, back on the offensive line. Those are things to watch. But, you know, I think that the uncertainty factor, Thompson working with the ones, and then this line has just gone too far. I'll happily take – like if, if both of these teams were at full strength, you know, I would think that Miami would be about a four, four-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Then I drop – I would drop from two at a Teddy, point-and-a-half-ish. So, you know, then you, your second backup – it's going to be about a three. I would make the Dolphins about a three-point favorite with Teddy, and then with top from Teddy to Thompson, it's like four and a half to five points is what I'm assuming. So you know you're in the dead range of a pick. If I'm getting over a field goal here, happily take it. I know he didn't look great last week. He kind of thrown into the fire. There was offensive line injuries. Game kind of snowballed, but he did look really good in the preseason. Yeah, he did. Um, and like that he was, was like a big sample size. Of, he was of, uh, That gives me a little bit of of confidence that he's not just like, okay, he, had, he saw like two drives in the preseason. We don't, we haven't really seen anything. So I think w- working with the offense for a week with the ones at home here, and now that you're getting over a field goal, I think this line has gone too far. Uh, so I'll take Miami here uh, off back-to-back losses. You know what I think is a secret weapon? My man Raheem Mostert. Like he's balling. Like Mike McDaniel just somehow resurrected him. Cause like, I thought his career was over after he, you know, got hurt for the 18th time. But he Chase Edmonds is essentially benched. Uh, Raheem Mostert is getting, like, 20 touches now. I think that's how they're going to – like, they're not going to put it on Skyward Thompson. Obviously, they're going to – you know, they're going to scheme up some plays for Hill and, and Waddle, probably things uh, close to the line of scrimmage, misdirections. But uh, I think you're going to see a healthy dose of Mostert. He's, he was out of practice today with an injury. I'm pretty sure that's a maintenance day. So I think yeah, they're going to they're gonna lead yeah. on the run game here. And yeah, you can yeah. do that against yeah. Minnesota for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. And I think that I think they'll probably slow it down, run the ball. Um, so yeah, I mean, foreshadowing for a pick I'm gonna make later. But uh, yeah, I have it. I would have this at three. So yeah, I don't mind taking the hook there. But I, I did. That's why Skylar Thompson is on a roster. 
is because he had a a really good preseason. Obviously, you know, it's going to be a low A dot, you know, kind of kind of guy. He was never super efficient in in college, but uh, I think he can. I think he can do enough here, so I don't, I don't mind it. But uh, I yeah, it's lean on the run game. Get yeah. him some easy passes over the middle of the field in your play action. Get Hill and Waddle in space, and uh, go from there. And you're getting the desperate home dog here, catching over a field goal against a little bit of a paper tiger in the Vikings. Who, if you look at their resume, it's like you're really resting your laurels on that that for opening win against Green Bay. And now we look back at that game and we say. Ugh. Because it was it really that impressive to beat this Green Bay team at home. So other than that, their resume is uh, pretty shoddy. Yeah, man. I, our listeners like it's funny because I feel like we must offend a different fan base every uh, every segment. So so far, <laughs> we are getting back to our roots because my first two picks mm-hmm. were the Steelers with Kenny Pickett and the Dolphins with Skylar Thompson. So we're going with two home dogs that are starting rookie quarterbacks. Uh, so we're getting back, getting back to the, the roots of the show here. Where are you going next? Let's, I mean, Hey, let's keep it going. I don't even know who my quarterback's going to be for this pick, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, for my second pick in the fourth overall of the week, six Sunday, six pack, I'm going with the new Orleans saints home dogs plus one and a half against the Cincinnati Bengals. Give me Dalton. Give me Winston. Give me Taysom. I don't care. I think this uh, Saints team. Anybody but Ian Book. Just not Ian Book. <laughs> but uh, it's a buy on the Saints, but they won. So it's not like a buy low or anything. But continuing to sell this Bengals squad who they went to the Super Bowl last year and they have regressed in a in a bad way. You look at this matchup for them versus the Saints. And first of all, the spot is bad for the Bengals. You got short rest. Uh, after a you know tough, hard-fought divisional game on Sunday night, you got short rest going on the road against a New Orleans team who's now on its second straight uh, home game after coming back from London. So you no, know, they haven't. I mean, they've 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 been chilling now. And on, on the offensive line for the Bengals, which has obviously been a problem, and Joe Burrow's taking a lot of sacks. So let's okay, left tackle. You have Jonah Williams. Giving up the fifth most sacks among tackles at four, the eighth most tied for the eighth most pressures among tackles with eight. He's got to go up against Marcus Davin. You flip over to the right side, a right tackle. You got Lyle Collins, who uh, I know you've pointed out on many occasions has been just a complete liability this year. Uh, he's grading out fourth worst of 72 qualified tackles uh, in PFF's grades. Uh, he's going to have to go up against Cam Jordan or vice versa. So, I think the Saints, you know, they haven't quite had a, a monster, uh, you know, monster numbers in terms of their pressures with uh, on the defensive line, but a very good defensive line uh, and just not, just a brutal nightmarish kind of matchup for these tackles uh, and this line. And, and Burrow's not helping matters, obviously, but here's why uh, I like New Orleans just schematically in this spot. They blitz at the third lowest rate. And we know Burrow can eat up the blitz. He has a 119 passer rating when blitzed this year, four touchdowns, no interceptions. When he's not blitzed, 83 passer rating, which is well below league average. Uh, if you have an 83 passer rating, like you're now you're talking about like backup territory almost. Uh, five touchdowns and five picks. So this Saints defense matches up well. They're at home. Uh, you know, they can stop the run. So Mixon kind of got going last week, but they can stop the run. And you know, regardless of who the quarterback is, which you can't really say this about many teams, but 
this Saints offense is going to get theirs. Like, you got Taysom Hill doing whatever he does. Kamara's back, and, and he's catching passes again, which is which is a good sight to see. Finally looks healthy. Still got a good backup at Ingram. You should get Thomas back this week. Uh, I don't know about Olave, but you should get Thomas. And you probably should get Landry as well, but they're pretty deep at receiver, uh, you know, which is a, a, another good thing. So, uh, yeah, just like the Saints team, think they match up well. I mean, I think these teams, you know, it sounds crazy because the Saints team lost Sean Payton. Uh, they're on their backup quarterback. But you look at these two teams and – I, I have this about a pick them and that that might even be generous. Like if this game plays out the way I think it will and the Saints win, uh, I'm going to have these teams rated almost evenly after that, after this week. So like, don't let the Super Bowl kind of cloud your judgment. Uh, this Bengals team is not what it was before. Uh, and I think this is a tough spot, tough matchup uh, for them against the Saints. Yeah, that this is, uh, I think it's a good spot to, to fade since he, they should have lost by a lot more last week. The Thrift missed a couple touchdowns too. I, I'm a bit concerned. Like the Saints just still aren't getting as much pressure as I thought, but they They're don't not. blitz, which is good. Uh, but it, that is a bit concerning. But Higgins also is banged up. He couldn't really go last week against the Ravens. So we'll see. I mean, he tried to go, then he was um, limited the rest of the way. So that would obviously not help things. It, the play calling for the Bengals just continues to be perfect. Oh. Like right. down by the goal line, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what they're doing, but they're, they're just trying to run running the walls too much. And like you could get away with that a little bit more against the Ravens run day than the Saints. So yeah. good luck if they try that again. And that's one of the reasons the Bengals have gone under 10 straight games. Crazy. Them and the Colts. The Colts yeah. have gone under 10 straight games too. The longest streak for what it's worth over the past 30 years of any team going over or under. Uh, the 2010 Cowboys went over 12 straight. That's crazy. So we'll see if uh, either the Bengals or the Colts can get to can break that and get to 13. But yeah, the just the play calling Burrow is not really playing with a ton of confidence because of the offensive line and the play calling. And um, it's just, it's just not a great situation right now with Cincinnati. They certainly have a ton of talent can still turn it around. That offensive line just has to figure it out and the play calling needs to be better. And it ended up being better last year at the end of the year. So we'll see if that's what it takes again. But, yeah, I, I don't disagree going with the Saints here um, for sure. Oh, oh, and Cincinnati I, team is not a bad idea. I, I actually – like, let me you be proud. I actually had something about special teams written down uh, for the Saints. So wow. the, Saints, the Saints are actually better in offensive DVOA than the Bengals through five games. They're 20th. Cincinnati's 25th. Uh, and then they're both – they both have top 12 defenses – uh, so we just have to hope that New Orleans gets some special teams regression because New Orleans is 32nd in special teams DVOA. But a lot of that is Will Lutz has only hit five of nine field goals. He obviously had the doink in London, but he's a career 85% kicker, 86% in New Orleans. So you would think that would regress. Um, but, you know, that that's kind of been an issue. But they got Taysom healthy now, so he can return some kickoffs. So I think the special teams should trend up like – but that that's kind of been like a hidden thing that's been hurting New Orleans and stuff. But probably a lot of it to do with that Panther game uh, where they it's just like error after error. But uh, yeah, yeah. I had, had to throw that in there. All right, where you going? All right, for my third pick and the fifth overall of the Week Six Sunday Six Pack presented by FanDuel, I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles minus six at home 
against the Dallas Cowboys. Make sure you shop around here if you can. By the time we're recording this, there might see might be some five and ass out there. But look, last week I got to give credit to the Cowboys defense. They beat me straight up. I also had the Rams live. They beat me straight up on that. Their defense got a touchdown, I think, on the third play of the game, and they never looked back. Cooper Rush didn't have to do anything. If that happens again, Dallas could win this game. Dallas could cover. But I'll bet against Philly turning the ball over and Dallas getting a defensive touchdown and Cooper Rush having to actually do something here to win the game. Cowboys 25th in EPA per play on offense this year. I mean, Cooper Rush has four touchdowns, no interceptions. He has three big-time throws on the year. Five turnover-worthy plays, three other turnover-worthy plays that were overturned because of penalty. If you look at the Cowboys' results this year on offense, they are 25th in yards per drive. 25th. Like they're scoring during their win streak. They're score, averaging 22 points per game. They haven't eclipsed 25 points in any of their wins this year. And they beat Washington, the Giants, this Bengals team that we just talked about as a disaster, the Rams, who are obviously a disaster. And what do all those teams have in common? And this is one of the fl- mistakes that I had last week. Washington, Giants, Cincy, Rams, offensive line problems. They're all ranked 26th or worse in adjusted sack rate. They're all also bottom 10 in line yards, just four terrible offensive lines. And Dallas's defensive line is basically winning them games. Well, now you go from playing four awful offensive lines to the best in the NFL. Eagles offensive line, which is the number one pass protection unit by some measures, can contain this Dallas pass rush. I know that there's some injuries. There's some injuries on both sides, Like, but I think everyone should be good to go. Mayata is probably the biggest question, but I think they just held him out as a precautionary measure last week. And if you look, I mean, Dickerson, Kelsey, Samoa, and Johnson haven't allowed a sack this year. Kelsey and Dickerson are ranked second and third in pressure rate allowed of all qualified linemen. I mean, this offensive line is elite. What is that going to allow – the Eagles to do, get the run game going, which you can do against Dallas. And more importantly, just contain the Cowboys pressure, which no one that they've played has really been able to do. Bucks even were getting pressured with their offensive line issues, um, even when in the Cowboys lost. But this is the biggest test that the Dallas defensive line will face. It's strength on strength. Eagles can neutralize Dallas's strength. And then it comes down to, okay, which quarterback do you trust more? And uh, I'll take Jalen Hurts in this offense over Cooper Rush and that offense any day of the week. It's also just an awful spot for Dallas. You know, they, they went, they were in New York, short week back home to Dallas, out to the West Coast to play the Rams and back across the country to play Philly. Um, so it's not the best travel for this team. And yeah, they've been getting quite fortunate. Like I said, the past couple of weeks, they deserve that win and cover last week, but, you know, you get a defensive touchdown early. They ended up with 230 yards of offense. I mean, wait, Cooper rushed through for, what, 80, 80, 80 passing yards, 80 passing yards in the game. He didn't have to do anything. I'm very confident that he will have to do something <laughs> to win this game against maybe the best team in the NFC. So Kyle Allen started 5-0, and straight up and against the spread. Cooper Rush did it, has as well. Let's go to war one more time, Coop. I just I don't understand this vendetta you have against Coop. I mean, usually you're you're trying to back these uh backup quarterbacks and taking the points with you just got this vendetta against Coop, man. Like I get it, but six, I is, think a lot, is, six is a lot of points. I think um, he's uh significantly worse than Dak. I mean, like a, a four or five points worse than Dak. You're 
telling me that the Eagles, I think the Eagles are you know, about a field goal better than the Cowboys at full strength for both teams. And now this, this line's assuming that, you know, basically these teams are, you know, Dak, there's not much of a difference between Dak and Cooper Rush, which a lot of people believe, which I am like adamantly saying, no, Cooper Rush, they're not winning for anything that Cooper Rush is doing. There's people are like, he doesn't turn it over. He's tried to turn it over. He's got four drop picks or two drop picks, two picks that were taken away because of penalty. And then last week they just got a lead and they said, Coop, chill, do not lose this game. Um, so I, I don't think that he's – and look, they beat junk and they played junk offensive lines. And uh, uh, and the Eagles are going to get pressure and Cooper Rush is going to have to deal with that here and uh, in a raucous environment in a game script where he's going to actually have to make throws. Um, and I, I think this is going up against the best team in the NFC. I think this is Eagles by a touchdown plus, but I've certainly been wrong with Cooper before. <laughs> Here we go, man. I mean, yeah, like I, it's, I, I get it. It makes sense from the standpoint of, you know, where if you have the Eagles rated better than the Cowboys and now it, it still makes me nervous, you know, laying six, just Cowboys defense, just game wrecking teams. I mean, this will be the best offensive line. Uh, they face by far though. So if they if they can if they can do things in this game, then that's that's how you know it's gonna. I mean, I can't believe that we're sitting here week six and you have the Giants four and one, the the Cooper Rush Cowboys right there, and, and the Eagle like this. The NFC East is suddenly like one of the best divisions in football, best division in football, really. Uh, so it's it's pretty nuts. All right, uh, for my third and final pick, the sixth overall of the week six. Sunday six pack presented by FanDuel. I am going with the New York Jets plus seven at the Green Bay Packers. And I think the Jets match up well here. You know, it, you know, I know the Packers are kind of coming off a, a loss and that's historically when Aaron Rodgers has been uh, a cover machine, but I went back and looked. And so Aaron Rodgers is 40, 21 and one against the spread coming off a straight up loss, but He's only six and five against the spread when the number is seven or more since 2015. So a lot, and the same thing when you look at him coming off a, against the spread loss, uh, essentially 500 since uh, 2015. So the market is kind of adjusted uh, in these spots where he really crushes it is when he's, you know, and it's like somewhere in the field goalish range uh, under a touchdown. But I like the way the Jets match up in this game because. They're kind of like New Orleans. I think they should see some regression in the sack department. They are fourth in pressure rate this year, are the New York Jets. And they have achieved that despite blitzing at the fourth lowest rate. And you've probably heard me say this before when it comes to fading Aaron Rodgers. You want to get pressure without blitzing. This is why we used to love to fade him when he would play the San Francisco 49ers, by the way, who were coordinated by Robert Sala, who is the Jets head coach now. So Sawa has come up with some really good game plans against Rodgers in the past. Uh, he, they held him to 104 yards and 33 attempts uh, in a regular season game in 2019. A couple of picks, three sacks in a playoff game. But you have this D-line for the Jets with Quentin Williams, Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson, all grading out as top 15 pass rushers. Sheldon Rankins, Bryce Huff grading out top 25 overall at their position. Uh, and then this Green Bay O-line still not, I think, back to where it was. But you also have to factor in that because there's no Adams, 
Rodgers has to hold the ball longer than he had he's had to in the past, or he's just throwing these like quick passes that are going nowhere. And the Jets actually have two really good outside corners as well with uh, DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner. They're both in the uh, you know in the top quartile in, in terms of grades, and they've been playing well. I mean, if you just watch, uh, so. It hasn't all come together yet in terms of the overall defensive metrics. I think we've talked about this under Salah. They haven't been good, but I think this Jets team is pretty underrated on both sides of the ball. Uh, I think with, with this D-line, I think they could get pressure on Rodgers without, um, without having a blitz. And he's 5.5 yards in attempt under pressure, no touchdowns, one interception, a 51 passer rating, and a 22% sack rate does Aaron Rodgers have uh, under pressure. So nobody, you know, guys aren't getting open as fast. And then on the other side of the ball, Green Bay, as they usually are, year after year, they say they're going to fix it and they don't. The run defense, 30th in DVOA. And why is that important? Because the Jets have kind of transitioned to Brees Hall as their lead back now over Michael Carter. And Brees Hall is seventh in rushing DVOA. Uh, you know, he's he's a significant upgrade over Carter, who who still can, you know, do some things. But uh, Brees Hall, I think, is a, is a special player. and they have talent at receiver. I mean, clearly more talent than the Giants had. And the Giants were kind of, you know, getting whatever they wanted, crossing routes all day uh, against this defense. So I just this this defense doesn't scare me, and his offense doesn't scare me for the Packers. And so I'll take the seven. And I'm I actually haven't put in the app. I haven't bet it yet because I'm I'm guessing we're gonna get to seven and a half. I see already some seven minus one hundred fives uh, for the Jets. So I'm guessing we get to seven and a half. Maybe we even get to eight. Uh, so, but I, I want at least a seven and a half, but uh, for the purposes of the show, uh, the line is seven on Fanduel right now. Uh, I'm taking it. Uh, this package team just does not scare me on either side of the ball anymore. I'm going to save this for the total. I have a play on this total here, but I, I will say, yeah, the Packers offense is is broken. Their receivers can't get any separation. The offensive line isn't playing well. Like Bakhtiari couldn't, he played like one drive in the second half of last week. I don't think they only had three, but they were like rotating him in and out. But the most concerning thing is they just can't throw the ball downfield. There's nothing to really scare anybody. Rodgers last week throwing beyond, beyond five yards, seven of 19. Seven of 19 against the Giants secondary that was missing a Dory Jackson. Their other starting corner was already on the IR. Like this isn't an elite Giants secondary. And they couldn't, they got shut out in the second half. Rodgers usually is good in these smash spots. Look, he's 42, 22, one against the spread off a loss, 30, 16, and one against the spread off a loss away from home. 8-0 since 2019. But some of these, tra- you know, you have to take trends. You know, trends are, don't mean auto- they're automatically is going to be a cover. And you have there's context to all these things. And that's why, you know, some of the some of these things with Brady haven't been mm-hmm. working this year as much. Um, that if the you know, that the Packers in the past have always had an explosive offense. They had Devonta Adams. The offense is right now is can't figure things out so but i'll save the rest of my analysis when we get to the total yeah and and to your point i mean about the trends like I, again i went back and looked because it's th- those trends essentially they're pretty much applying when he's uh, a smaller favorite like when he's a favorite of a touchdown or more they're all essentially 500 like even rogers career at lambo 66 35 and 3 65 15 and 14 against the spread when it's over six since 2015 like the market has adjusted and they're just inflating the lines now in these spots where he, you know, these smash spots for him. So yeah, I'm, I'm not really scared of Trent, but I, I, just, I mean, am I crazy? Or, like this, this Jets team, like ir- irrespective of their opponent this week, 
this Jets team suddenly like if Zach Wilson could just not be like the terrible Zach Wilson that he was as a rookie and be like this like average-ish version of Zach Wilson like this Jets team has some talent like at a lot of spots that you want to have talent at receiver uh cornerback they might be getting a little healthier on the O-line their D-line is strong like I'm, I'm starting to like this Jets team uh hopefully Salah and and you got the battle of the floors here too uh, so that should be interesting. It, they, you have to keep, keep in mind the Jets have three wins over Trubisky. Yeah, I know. In miraculous fashion. Yeah. yeah. set in miraculous fashion. And then against Skylar Thompson. And last week, Zach Wilson looked good. But I mean, you had the that game just kind of snowballed on Thompson and the Dolphins' corners were out. I'm still not a buyer, but uh, in Wilson. But if he could take a net, like it show consistently that he's improved, then yeah, it's like. Oh, like, wow, because it's just, just the defense, the corners are really good. And yeah. Sauce Garner's like who I'm like the head of his fan club. He's better than I thought he'd be right away. Usually takes time for rookies. Reed has been really good. So like the Jets will be able to do a lot of things in this particular, you know, every week. But in this particular matchup with corners, you can trust yeah. out on islands. And you can especially do that here against the Packers receiving room where it's like, like the post game interview, it's like Randall Cobb saying, I'm not a nursing patient. Like that's, that's, that's bad. If that's the offense is like Randall Cobb convincing everyone that he's not, you know, <laughs> and deserves to be no. put in a nursing home. He looks good though. I'm, I'm not, I, I know he's, out, I'm saying, he's, the best, yeah, yeah. he's the best receiver, <laughs> but like he, and he's t- telling everyone, he's like, yo, I'm not a nursing home, but Randall Cobb should not be your, your go-to guy in 2022. He should be your third guy. Uh, but he has looked good without him. Man, if he like pulls a hammy or something, you know what this reminds me of? This Packers team. Remember, I think it was the first year you and I did the pod together. I think it was 2019, where the Packers were like every week it would be like a three point win or like a one point win, and like they ended up winning 13 games. But it was like we just kept saying like, "Yo, this team's luck is going to run out sometime." This team's luck. It, gets, yeah. it seems like that same kind of team except their luck is actually running out in a lot of these games yeah. now. Like it's like, like Rogers throwing pick sixes, like barely beating barely zappy getting the, like, the, like imagine if Brian Dable had the jets roster. Like yeah. that would be amazing. Um, but I digress. Uh, so let's see quarterback wise. Let's see what we got this week. We got, uh, we got Jalen hurts, Skyler Thompson and Kenny Pickett. And then I got some, I got some that can move at least. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and maybe Taysom, maybe some Taysom Hill, uh, probably Andy okay. Dalton. But uh, yeah, we got some, we got some quarterbacks that can move in this one. Most importantly, back to our roots, lots of, lots of dogs. Yeah. And yeah, like last week, that's a risk. Like, look, I was saying, complaining off the bat of some of our picks. That's the NFL. Like we took some favorites and you're, yeah. you're going to get back door. So how many times in the past have we got a dog to come in the back door, sneak in there. Yep. But uh, let's let's roll. Yes, sir. Uh, so yeah, Philly minus six, Miami plus three and a half, Pittsburgh plus eight and a half for stuck. I'm going Jags plus one and a half, Saints plus one and a half, Jets plus seven. That is going to wrap it for our week six Sunday six pack. It is now time for the coach's pep talk. There's not one of you, not one of you, that's learned how to win. All right, this week's coach's pep talk comes to us from actor Keegan-Michael Key from the TV show Key and Peel, And I mean, Stuck, I saw you tweeting about it. I mean, everyone was tweeting about it. Like, we got to dedicate this one to, to the refs, specifically to, we want to go Cheffers, Bo- Boger, both of them. Yeah, it's funny. It, this is like my redemption weekend of refs because I tweet every weekend about the woke trio. 
Hockley, Boger, and Sheffers. I hate when they're on any of my games. They are the, they're all, and if you look back at penalty sets, they're always the top three in, in penalties thrown. We have to dedicate it to Sheffers because I mean the the we've seen bad roughing the passer calls before, and Boger had an awful one against Brady. We've seen them before. Uh, some of that is the league. Like we we got to be yeah. able to review these or something. Sheffers calling, making that call, and then petrified. To make another call against the, against the Chiefs. I was on the Raiders. It was the worst thing that ever happened to the Raiders was the Chris Jones penalty. This guy came on at one point with his voice cracking, saying <laughs> there is no penalty. But like, so please love me, Kansas City, please. And he wouldn't call. They, there were nine penalties, nine to zero penalties on the Raiders pre-snap in the third quarter. And he calls a holding on a field goal that takes the, a missed field goal off the board gives the Chiefs a touchdown. The best part of that, Mr. Carl Sheffers, is that a holding on a defensive holding on a field goal had not been called since 2015, also against the Raiders, also by Carl Sheffers, which is just amazing. By the way, that's when you can have an amazing home field advantage. The crowd was basically officiating the game, booing every time he tried to take the mic and he didn't want to call a penalty on them. And there was about 10 makeup calls the other way. That's why you can't have these awful egregious penalties. You have to be able to review them, just look at them real quick. Because then you have a ref who's then trying to do makeup calls and like, I, you know, it's a, the whole game's a farce. I, look, I was covering the whole time. It's not like I lost money on the game. I mean, it was a farce. It's a billion dollar league. You can't have a guy petrified to make a call and just letting the crowd dictate the rest of the game. Amazing. So, yes, we're dedicating it to Sheffers. Y'all want to play. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Do you want to go to war? Because no. we could go to war. So you better check yourself. Y'all feel me? You done messed up? Now take your ass on down to office right now and tell him exactly what you did before I break my foot off in your ass. Insubordinate and churlish. <laughs> like, it was just a, it was a great Twitter night, honestly. But you know what? Like, me and my boys have been talking about this. I, I hate that numbers we used to feel confident in, we have to sweat now. Like, since when do we have to sweat the seven and a half when it's like a back and forth game because every team just wants to go for two every single time. Like, yeah. it's like, Jesus Christ. Cause like, give me the tie. Then it's like, okay, field goal, touchdown, overtime, six point, whatever. Seven and a half should be golden. Every week now you just see teams going for on fourth down, going for two, going for two. Like even that Bucks game, like, I mean, 21 to 15, really? We're doing, we're doing that now. Oh man. I guess analytics has truly taken over, but I actually Kind of yeah, that was annoying because that, that Raiders yeah. game should have been. I was like, wow, <laughs> this should have been, never been a sweat. Now these never. two point conversions have kind of thrown a little, yeah, bro, a little wrench into it. So, but yeah, we're dedicating it to Sheffers. This one's for you, man. All right, on to our favorite total of the week. Uh, I'll start us off and uh, kind of foreshadow this, but going with the uh, Minnesota Miami under 45 and a half. And pretty much, there's a couple of things that I like about this under for one. Obviously, Skyra Thompson starting should be a little bit of a downgrade on the total, uh, in my opinion. Uh, he he averaged a 4.5 net yards per pass and 8.7 yards per completion. And I think that's how you're going to kind of have to play with him. You're going to you have guys that are fast, but I don't think you're just going to air it out with him. You're going to kind of throw do a lot around the line of scrimmage and let those guys create and, you know, go down the field. And it, I think the drives will take a little bit longer uh, than they have, you know, when Tua was healthy. Uh, but uh, also, as you mentioned, you know, Armstead aggravated the toe. 
Uh, Xavier Howard should help the Miami defense, which has been getting blasted. There's also the humidity factor, which I feel like we've talked about this at times before, but humidity, Miami's played two games in Miami this year so far. Week one, New England, 46 and a half was the total. 27 points are scored. It goes under by 19 and a half. Then Buffalo, a game that I was on the under, it closes at 54 and a half, ends with 40 points. Probably should have had 48 or 46 or whatever, but, you know, still goes under by 14 and a half. So two games in Miami, both have gone under by more than two touchdowns. Forecast expecting 70% humidity. Uh, Miami unders 59% when the total is 44 and above and the humidity is 60% and above. Uh, going back to 2005, 24 and 17 to the under. And Miami's 27th in neutral pace. Minnesota plays uh, a little bit above average, but they're a little slower when they're weeding, uh, which, you know, they are favored. But uh, I expect Miami to slow it down, Hannibal to Mostert, uh, and they're pretty much near the bottom of the league in almost every pace metric. So, uh, yeah, give me the under in this kind of middling 45 and a half total game. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, Dolphins' home field advantage, especially early in the year, is very underrated. I think they're fourteen and five against the spread um, since the start of twenty twenty, which is the most profitable home team in the NFL. So yeah, that that could be a factor against this Minnesota offense. And yeah, I'm going to go with I, I don't hate that at all. I'm going to because I do expect Miami to lean on the lean on the ground game here. Uh, I'm going to go with the Packers. Jets under 45 and a half. The one unit that I think is underperformed for the Packers, like I think the offense is what it is. There's just it just lacks explosiveness. And I think the Jets defense can match up well here. But I do think that, you know, Wilson is kind of overperformed given the circumstances <laughs> of who he's played. And, and then they've also had just some like late, even with Flacco, some late crazy touchdowns. But I think that the Packers defense has underperformed. And I think you get a spirited effort here at home. And I also think it might not, it might help your bet, but I think you're going to get the Packers leaning on the ground here. Yeah. And we're just going to help the under. And they, that's what they've been doing up until they had a couple of drives last week where they didn't. And they they had those two throws late that got deflected by the Giants. And then you heard comments from Aaron Jones um, and saying basically, like, look, look, just give, give one of us the ball and we get the first down. So I think with their, their two-headed monster backfield. I think that you're going to see the Packers lean on their run game some more. And I mean, last week, what? Rodgers was averaging five yards per attempt, and the Packers were averaging five yards per rush. So I can see their gripe. So I think that you'll get a heavier running script from the Packers. And the Packers are also one of either. It depends on the week, but they're one of the two slowest teams yeah. in the NFL. A neutral situation piece. They don't do not go fast, and especially this year, they're going even slower because they have you know, new receivers and new parts. So, um, yeah, there's problems on the Green Bay offense. I expect the bounce back for the Green Bay defense, and I expect a heavy rush script from the Packers. Oh, so give me the under 45 and a half. Yeah, and uh, both of these totals, uh, well, I know that obviously the the Dolphins one got hit once Skyward was uh, announced a starter, but uh, both of these earlier in the day, and I'm pretty sure the Jets Packers is still like this, like about like 90% of the money was on the over and yet the books, you know, were weren't moving it up at all, which kind of tells you, you know, it's, you, we're, we're on the right side of these. I mean, we scoring is down this year, like 21.8 points per game uh, is the league average. Now it's usually around 23. 
And so we're talking about outside of that Seahawks game and the Bills game. These this is the these are the highest total on the slate essentially these two. And I like I don't think either of these offenses, whether it's the Dolphins with Thompson or whether it's the Packers, whether it's the Jets, like none of these teams should be having like the the, the third highest total on a slate. So to try to get that half point there, that's 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 an important one. Okay, so yeah, Jets Packers under forty five and a half. Dolphins Vikings under forty five and a half. Now let's get into our favorite teaser of the week. Oh yeah, six point teasers. If you don't want me to, don't tease me, don't tease me, try to please me. Yeah. All right, I looks like we're both going the same way, so I, I, we can make this quick. What are you doing? Look, I've just googled Stucky teaser, uh, action network teaser guide. I have a lot of content out there, but the gist of it is you want to be able to tease two teams, you know, through three and seven. So, you know, a seven and a half, eight point favorite down through seven and three, or, you know, one to two point underdog up through three and seven. The lower the total, the better, because points are more at a premium. So that's what we're going to do here. I'm going to tease the Saints up to over a touchdown in a game with a total of 43 and then the Jags teasing them also up over a touchdown in a game with a total of 42 um just your classic teaser spot give me over touchdown on both of those teams that you like outright anyway yeah. um and I don't mind either of those bets and that's that's another thing that I don't talk about enough when you know not, not everyone makes their own power ratings but if you actually like also like the side a little bit then and teasing them up even has more value assuming that you are right and the market's eventually going to move towards you but we like these as a podcast we like these sides regardless so teasing them up over a touchdown a little more cushion and this is just a massive plus ev bet actually i got a question about that so like in my case though because i'm already betting the size it doesn't actually make sense to me like it would be better if i just put double units on each side individually because i would be getting 110 rather than do a teaser where I'd have to, I would be getting 120, right? Like, I, it would just make more sense to double up on each on each individual side, right? Yeah, it depends on the price that you're going to get on your teaser. But you you also do have you, – you could hit the teaser with – Right, right, you know, without if you're, if hitting you're just, the size, yeah. Yeah, so, like, what the way that I look at it is, yeah, if you really like a side, then you want to bet – and if you have value on that side, then you want to bet that side and not worrying about teasing it. But when I go with something, I just try to do one a week. Now, a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, ideal in an ideal world, you want to do like as many of these as possible that are through the three and the seven, but you'll lose accounts and you'll get limited because they're really plus EV bets. So I, I actually look at the teasers as not, okay, I'm also betting this team. It's just kind of like, here's my the best teaser on the board, completely separate. I could also ha- have bet one of these teams. I might not have, but yes. Yeah, so, so like it's, a, it's an approach thing. If you're looking at it just from, okay, why am I teasing this side? Because I also like it and I should just bet it straight, have better odds on both of these. Yes, there's a slight chance that you could win mm. the teaser and not your sides. But yeah, that that's a, a valid uh, approach. But the way that I look at it, and I think that's basically what we're doing with the podcast, is just, okay, what's the best teaser yeah. option on the on the board? But your, your point your point's well taken. Yeah, like, I, like a lot of times what I like to do with teasers, I really don't, love to do it this week but it's kind of treated like almost like a, a money line parlay but for favorites so a lot of times i like to tease favorites down 
um, like San Francisco and Tampa Bay last week. But this week, I mean, I'm concerned about, about a lot of these uh, favorites. Like I'm concerned about Green Bay. I'm concerned about Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's not one of those weeks. Yeah. And one thing, one thing to add on that is if you are going to tease favorites down, something quick that you could do, especially because some of these books are, their teaser price are starting to get up there. Once you're up 130 or above, it's not worth it. Yep. Good point. All right. Uh, let's get into our money line underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. All right, man, you hit another one, so you're carrying us. Uh, I got to hold up my end of the bargain. Uh, you hit with the Jets last week. Seattle did not come through. Looked like they were going to be able to at one point, but uh, yeah, didn't. Uh, I mean, they, their defense is so bad. So it, it's, you know, perfect high-variance team. So I'm not, you know, I don't regret the, the pick, but didn't work out this time. But where are you going? Uh, I'm going right back to your Seahawks. <laughs> uh, for, yeah, I like that they're – the variance in nature of them. And also the Cardinals continue to come out slow. It's going to cost them. And if you look at who they beat this year, they have wins over, and I know they've been good on the road, blah, blah, blah. And, but they, they beat the Panthers and then they're miraculous comeback in fluky fashion down 20 to nothing against the Raiders. And I, the more I see they're being, for what it's worth, they're being outscored 80 to 26 in the first half. Uh, for what it's worth. I mean, Gino Smith, he's, he leads the league in like, fewest missed throws he's number one in completion percentage over expectation plus epa like every stat is ridiculous so he's no cooper rush he's no cooper rush (laughs) (laughs) yeah this this offense is humming and i think that they'll have success against arizona arizona will have success against (laughs) seattle's defense for sure um but yeah give me seattle coming out here with a hot start as we've seen everyone do against Arizona with this offense um, at a dog price at home. And I think a, a game that might be close. I mean, I make Arizona small fair, but I think it's closer to a coin flip than a field goal. And with the Seattle offense, um, let's, let's ride the Seahawks. And yeah. I mean, last week, last week, that was, I would have, that was a great pass. I mean, if you look at the box, it was a dead even game. Um, and the Saints just had one more score late. That could happen again here against Arizona, but uh, that's why we're throwing it in the money line dog dog. Yep. Uh, I like it. I'm going with the New England Patriots plus 120. Uh, Just a battle of two teams with shaky run defenses. But I think you're getting some value on the Patriots here for a couple of reasons. One, both of these teams statistically have bad run defenses. But the Patriots schematically, I think, uh, could do some things to take away the run. I I thought they did some things against Detroit uh, that, you know, were kind of specific to them that maybe they didn't care to do in other matchups. But also, I, I think you have a big coaching edge here and that, you know, you could always get just like a crazy game plan from Belichick. Uh, last time these two teams played, uh, Patriots were a small favorite. It was in Foxborough, so the Patriots were a small favorite. But ra- the teams were rated about the same, I think you would say. And uh, Cleveland scored on his first drive of the game, and then the Patriots scored the next 40, the last 45 points of the game and won 45-7. So uh, this Cleveland, I mean, this Cleveland run D, is bad and, and you know Ramondre Stevenson. He's it's his time now. Damian Harris is hurt, but uh, he he's playing really well. And I think the Patriots, you know, if they have to scheme up, like okay, how do we run the ball on a team and and, and stop the run and like out coach Kevin Stefanski? And, and and by the way, they also know Jacoby Brissett better than most. So uh, you know Brissett has never played Belichick yet, but remember he was on the Patriots for a while. So I think 
I think you could just get a really good Patriot underdog game plan here. And uh, there's a chance you even get a Patriots blowout, but uh, it just, there is a lot of variance because both of these teams on paper cannot stop the run at all. So it's just going to kind of be back and forth. Uh, you know, might come down to like who has the ball last or maybe, but uh, you also, and you also got better kicker Patriots. Nick Folk doesn't miss inside of 50. And uh, Cade York is no Justin Tucker, as, as you like to say. So uh, give me the pats. I'm holding up a fake gun to your on we're on video here. Say his name. I see it. Say it. Say his name. <laughs> say his name. The quarterback for the Patriots. Oh, Zappy Hour. Zappy. Bailey Zappy. Bailey Zappy. Thank you. Bailey you Zappy. did a whole breakdown of the Patriots, and you can't, <laughs> you have to mention my boy's name. Who, by the way, is two and zero against the spread if we count. Yeah. Last week, and I also like that there's and if you look at his numbers last week, he was one of the best. Uh, yep. Him in. Uh, him and Geno Smith were like the two best quarterbacks from an EPA perspective, but he has good upside here too. It's like, all right, how good could he be? And like, he's still, it's still one of those like new rookies, a team. So that, I think that works in the favor of a money line underdog. And yeah, you're right. The look, the Pats Rundy hasn't been great, but they faced the hardest schedule of opposing offenses so far in the NFL and the Browns Rundy. I mean, yes, the Browns have lost games by one, two and three, but a lot of that's because they can't get stops late. Like, I mean, every team is just able to score late on them. Who would have thought the Browns are top five offense DVOA and 30th on defense? They're 32nd in rush DVOA, 30th rush defense success rate, 31st in tackling. Their linebacker, after they lost Walker, their linebackers have been so bad they had a trade for Deion Jones on Sunday yeah. night. Uh, Elliot Winfrey and Brian have been horrendous in the interior defensive line. They're getting no push. They're getting no stops. They're not taking up any blocks. And then you have bad linebackers. It's uh, it's just a horrendous situation. So yeah, the Patriots who have been these past couple of weeks when they're playing these teams that have bad run defenses, they're able to just control the entire game and get a great push. That's what they've done the last two weeks against the Packers and the lions going up against another one here. So uh don't hate it. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you see Joe Woods scapegoated if the Browns get run all over again and uh, they make a change at defensive coordinator. Yeah. A very and, disappointing season for him. I mean, yeah, because the Chargers were, I mean, bottom of the week and yards before contact, pretty much every rushing metric. And they just went ham. But yeah, they uh, just had like this big pocket. Like there was like a pocket for, I mean, it was crazy. It was the easiest running lanes i've ever seen every week against this browns day it's crazy i think the line went to the spread went to two and a half because mac jones practiced but if he's ruled out i wouldn't be surprised if it goes back to three i actually don't mind just taking the patriots uh you know on the spread as well because again i think i think just that kicker advantage in itself i think uh is worth something in a game like this so all right money line dog plus 122 for the seahawks against the Cardinals and plus 120 for the Patriots against the Browns. That gets you uh, about 4X, so 100 gets you uh, 488 back. Uh, now it is time for best of the rest, the games we haven't covered in any other segment, but are still, as they say, meaningful to some. That's going to be a touchdown, but that may be meaningful to some of you. And you know who I mean. I. Let's start with the big one. Bills, Chiefs, two and a half is the spread. I've seen some threes out there uh, in favor of Buffalo. So Chiefs are a home dog, pretty rare. The total is 
53 and a half at FanDuel. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think it's the first time Mahomes will be a home dog, I believe. Um, or it, maybe since his rookie year, it ends a streak of 41 straight home games as not being an underdog. That's the longest streak in the Super Bowl era, assuming this line poses as Bill's a favorite, which it will, unless there's major injuries. Yeah. Mahomes is 7-0-1 against the spread as an underdog for what it's worth. This I, I had this spot circled for the Bills. I lean Bills here. This is similar to last year. It's like they're going to Kansas City after losing the playoffs the year before. They've had this spot circled. They're going to come out with their hair on fire. The Chiefs, they still have some issues. Like they they should arguably should have lost to the Chargers, should have lost to the Raiders without Sheffers and getting involved there and two-point conversion if the two receivers don't run into each other. Like they could easily have three losses. Now the Colts game was, you could argue, is just unlucky and their special teams didn't show up. We'll see if Butker, by the way, plays. It's obviously important. Um, now, this game, there should be a lot of touchdowns, but like an extra point, the two-point conversions, like the two-and-a-half then becomes a lot yep. less important. Um, so uh, along those lines, I mean, yeah, I lean Bills here on the spot. I think that the Chiefs still have some issues. I want to see more of the injury report for the Bills. We don't have to get into this game too much because we know like these two teams are two of the best in the AFC. They're both going to put up points, and – it's, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to just, you know, like last year I backed the Bills. I think it was a pick in this spot. So it's a little different now laying a juice two and a half, three, and it should be a back and forth game. Great trading game. Like if you like the Chiefs, it's okay. Mate, and you're like, oh, I kind of like the Chiefs. You know, for like 16 of the last 17 weeks goes to scores on their first possession, the Bills, the Chiefs usually really good on their first possession. Like who? This game's probably back and forth. You could probably get a better number live on one of the sides you like. Um, so I might have some bills pre and very tiny just because I had the spot circle, but it, it, it's two and a half juice. I thought maybe we could get like a one, a pick. So maybe I'll, I'll wait to bet the bills live. And then guess who's really good coming from behind at home, bet the chiefs live and then maybe try and middle this down to the wire. Should be an exciting game. Big, big like we saw the Ravens lose in devastating fashion to the Bills. Devastating, I mean, not because I'm a fan, but for the future, my Ravens' future, because these are the games that are going to have massive playoff implications for seeding. And in the AFC, it's all about that race to the one seed. This game will go a long way in determining who gets that and potentially could determine who your uh, the MVP market as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, this is a game like... I, I almost feel like the over might just be the best play in this game because I don't mind the over. Yeah. Here's a crazy stat. Andy Reid coach teams, when it's when they're a home dog since 2004, the over is 20 and two. So that even goes back to his days with the Eagles. Uh with the Chiefs, six and oh. It's never lost when, when he's a home dog. So uh, take wow. that for what it's worth. Yeah. Crazy stat. Yeah, I would say the one thing like look, the Bills aren't totally healthy in the secondary. And then, but the Chiefs don't have Tyreek Hill. So it, that kind of neutralizes itself. Like looking at, when I look at this matchup from like last year, how these teams have changed. But the Bills' ability to generate pressure with their defensive line naturally is, they are so much better at that. And that is what I think ultimately could be the difference. But betting against Mahomes and the Chiefs crowd, luckily Sheffers isn't doing this 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 uh, game. But yeah, I think that's going to be the difference is the the Bills' ability to generate pressure on Mahomes. And their offensive line has been shaky at times this year in that regard. That's the biggest difference with the Bills' defense this year, but should be a fun shootout. And uh, 
Yeah, a game, one of the, uh, you know, an NFL game where I, I don't need a single dollar on it to enjoy the entire thing. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Uh, Niners at the Falcons. Falcons are five and a half point home dogs. The total is 44 and a half. San Francisco pretty banged up on defense. Nick Bosa is probably going to sit. Eric Armstead still out. Uh, Kinwa is still out. Uh, Mosley ACL, ACL. And and but, yeah so like it's weird because like I, I was like going back watching the Falcons Bucks game and I'm like all right trying to say okay you know how is it how is this team going to match up with the Niners and I think the Niners might still have enough depth to survive it this week I mean you have like Ward is not really a massive deal because Hufanga is just going to go you know it's still going to be Gibson and Hufanga and it's a great duo you know even before Ward was back in uh, Womack's been playing good enough and against the Falcons you only really need to have one corner and put him on Drake London and you have Fred Warner still you know he can he can cover Kyle Pitts if they really need him to uh, I mean and the, the defensive line is you know I guess that's the biggest issue but I mean if they still have like like them at like 55 percent is still better than probably all but eight defenses in the league I would say uh, so I don't know what, what do you think yeah, I would lean 49ers here. It's, it's like on the surface, it's not a good spot if you just say like, oh, it's their second straight road game. But I, I mentioned this last week. I love when teams either go out west or go east and stay there. Mm-hmm. You see the Rams have done this. The 49ers have done it successfully a lot. It's basically like you go out and you're, you're not going – there's no distractions. You're not going home. You kind of just are focused on the team at hand and you're watching film – this, you, you know, you're building a scouting report. You're also building camaraderie. You're just out of the team for two weeks straight. It's kind of like, all right, let's just take care of business here. And if you look, Pacific teams that play in the Pacific time zone that are on the East Coast playing back-to-back games, they're 13, doesn't happen often, but 13, 4, and 2 against the spread the past 20 years. The 49ers are 6-0 and against the spread in those spots. So, yeah, the, the injuries kind of, and I think Drake London avoided the injury report. Pitts practice today. It, I mean, he hasn't been great, but Patterson is still out. The 49ers injuries on defense. I mean, look, it could be without five or six starters. And that defensive line, that's the kind of the what you really want to watch. Are they because if they can generate press still generate pressure here? Yeah, I think it's 49ers. They should be able to run the ball against this Falcons defense. So yeah, it's like on the surface, it wouldn't be superficially. Oh, it's not a great spot, but I actually think it might be. So uh, injuries maybe will probably keep me away, but I would actually lean 49ers here against the only undefeated team against the spread left in the NFL. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like if there's a, if there's one favorite I actually want to take, I, it would be the Niners because you're still getting you're getting inside the six too at five and a half. To be honest, I think they should be able to throw the ball too against this Falcons team. I know they got some good corners on the outside, but uh 49er offense they're gonna get Kittle going at some point and I think it'd probably be this game so Panthers Rams I mean and you have a good article out where you kind of break down the trends for uh you know when a coaching shift what is it like like 48 percent against the spread but that's a jump from the prior uh yeah there was I think there's a little bump and you can have uh with a new coach and I think on just the first game back element of surprise maybe locker room morale boost Steve Wilkes taking over as head coach. He kind of have his defensive coordinator in. Steve Wilkes, zone zone heavy. Like, he'll be the heaviest zone if he gets his way. He'll be the heaviest zone. He was when, when he was defensive coordinator of Arizona. They were like 85% zone. Um, he'll be 
really heavy zone here. Hopefully he goes, if you're the Panthers, you want him to go cover two against Stafford, who kind of eats cover one and three alive. But we'll see what they do there. J.C. Horn is questionable, which is a huge potential huge loss. He's turning into uh, one of the best corners in the NFL if you just go off of the data. This, I think Debo Samuel was targeted six times last week against some zero catches. That's, uh, and he's he has the lowest passer rating against of any qualified corner in the NFL this year. That's something to watch. But, I mean, P.J. Walker is going to get the start here. This is a guy – look, if you look at Baker Mayfield, you would think, okay, for a single season, if you look at EPA per play, over the since the, the stat – over the past 20 years, the only quarterback that has a lower – has been worse than Baker Mayfield was Jamarcus Russell in 2008. But – if you look at from an EPA perspective, since PJ Walker came in the league, he's been worse than what Baker Mayfield is doing this year. He's got two touchdowns, eight interceptions. So like he's even worse. So there's definitely a downgrade. You can't really run the ball against the Rams, but I'm not laying 10 and a half with the Rams and they can't block anybody. Um, and the Panthers have a decent defense. Maybe though. I don't know. This game is horrifying. Um, for what it's worth, teams that are under 500 with the Rams are that are favored by double digits are 33, 52, and two against the spread over the past 20 years. So, you know, it seems as if like the market, this could be another case where like the market is still too high on the Rams after their Super Bowl and they need to be downgraded more. But do I want to back PJ Walker on the road? No, in this case, gross. It'll probably be like 20 to 10 Rams or something like that. Yeah. Like, you know, it'll probably, yeah. it'll probably come down to that, that hook. Uh, a two and point got, conversion late. Of course. The Panthers going for two to cut it to nine. And then for no, for no, yeah. 11 or nine. Yeah. yeah for, no, <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. That's, that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, all right. Uh, Baltimore at the Giants. Uh, I know this, you, you almost went Baltimore. I, I feel like the Giants are just a dangerous team to bet against right now. I mean, they're just so well coached. They're just pulling, they're just pulling game wins and covers out of their ass right now with Dable. It doesn't seem like no matter who's injured, like it's like Daniel Jones couldn't run for half for the ha- first half, and then oh yeah, we made an adjustment. He can run now. It's like I, I don't know what to think with this team. So like, I, I not really a team I want to bet against. But I mean, what do you, what are you seeing? With Baltimore, yeah. Look, I love I love this Giants team. I was driving the Giants bandwagon before the season started, um, but I think it's time to fade them. Maybe not necessarily the rest of the year, but th- th- I think this is a good spot to fade them. And this is the third straight week I'm going to bet, bet in the Ravens, which is shocking. I only usually bet them three to four times a year. But look, Giants come back from London. Ravens just make a quick trip up 95. I I think that it's not a huge deal, but it only can work in the Ravens' favor. Here's one couple of the reasons if you want to, you know, for your trends, Lamar Jackson on the road, 17 and nine against the spread, 66% covering by a touchdown per game. We know Jones hasn't been as great against the spread at home. He's nine and 13. And um, for its worth, Lamar is 12 and four against the spread as a dog or favorite of less than seven on the road, 75%. But uh, some of the things that I like about this matchup is the Ravens, no wink Martindale. And, he knows them as well, which is fair, but he only has one speed. And I think he's just going to say, look, we saw it work against Lamar last year. They're going to blitz a ton here. And I think that's a bad idea and it's going to end in disaster because that is all the Ravens figured out in the off season. Lamar Jackson is shredding the blitz this year, seven touchdowns, one interception, the second highest quarterback rating against the blitz. And so I think that from a scheme perspective, both the familiarity 
is going to work in the Ravens' favor because of what we've seen from Lamar Jackson against the Blitz. And Wink Martindale doesn't really change what he does on defense. Like, they're going to blitz, and they're going to blitz a lot. Also, Giants 25th DVOA defending tight ends. I don't think they really have uh, a great group to defend tight ends, which is not great against the Ravens. And the Ravens are getting healthier. And Ronnie Stanley last week, no pressures on 13 pass blocks, pass blocking snaps. Linderbaum, the rookie, by the way, four straight game allowing one or fewer pressures at center. He's going to be a stud for about 10 years. But, uh, you know, when I look at the Giants offense, got to give Dable a ton of credit. But Ravens, I, I assume, will just stack the box here. They've been vulnerable against the run. I think Barkley will have a decent day. But, you know, you look at Mixon last week, you had the safeties back. They didn't want them throwing deep. But you have Peters and Humphrey against this Giants wide receiver group. It's going to be man on the outside, bringing the safeties down, all hands on deck to stop Barkley, as I assume the game plan. And then it's like, how are the Giants moving the ball? It's not going to be none of this soft zone, give up the run Packers <laughs> nonsense. I don't think that we're going to see. So, yeah, I mean, the Giants, great start. The schedule obviously has been great. You know, you got wins over the Titans by one, the Panthers by three at home. Um, Packers win was good, but we, you know, the Packers have problems. Ravens are, are generally pretty good in this spot. And I think it's a good matchup on both sides of the ball. Then obviously throwing the special teams advantage overall, although the giants have a really good kicker, but just overall, I think it's like one Ravens, obviously the like number one special teams unit in the NFL Giants probably middle of the pack. So, um, yeah, I think Lamar against the blitz here. I think that's the key factor. And then I think that the Ravens can just stack the box here trust their corners on the outside that are now healthy uh, against an underwhelming receiving group. Love what the Giants are doing here, but I think uh, they come crashing back down to earth a little bit this week. So, yeah, I like to, I like Baltimore. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I, I, that's a good point about the blitz. I, I almost wonder, though, just because the Giants have been so well coached, if, like, you know, Dabo doesn't step in and say, hey, like, you know, like, let's be reasonable here. Um, you know, I, I know he's an off, he's, he's the offensive guy, but he is the head coach and did give up like play calling so he could oversee the team. So I, I just still in wait and see mode uh, on the giants, but uh, let's, uh, let's go to survivor and uh, wrap it up. The survivor pool pick of the week. All right. So uh, unfortunately uh, I'm guessing, did you go with, the Jags and all of your like big leagues and, and yep. shit. Oh, damn. Yep. That sucks, man. Yeah, I'm done. This week, I was going to go with the 49ers for what it's worth. So uh, still alive. See, I, I went 49ers last I week. Wish I wish I went with you last week. I know. <laughs> I actually don't like, I mean, I think just like this is what I was worried about with the 49ers. It's like, it's like this team, like they drop like flies. So it's like, I was like, all right, you know, might as well use them whether healthy enough and they trampled Carolina and now they're all banged up. I mean, we like, San Francisco this week, but listen, it's a five and a half point spread. They could very well lose this game. I I think you I think you got to go with the Rams here, especially. I mean, if you use the 49ers, obviously you want to go with the Rams. But I, I just think PJ Walker, like I know the Rams can't block anyone, but I just think PJ Walker, Sean McVay coming off a, a loss on a you know, Rams at home, still got the star power. Uh, you know, like I I I think if it was just the same Panthers team. And now it's just Wilkes, you know, changing some things. But, like, the fact that you have to, like, work in a new quarterback, I think changes the equation and makes it – I think it's just going to be really tough for the uh, the Panthers to get a win this week. Uh, you know, maybe they keep it close. Maybe it's like a 13-6 to kind of game, you know. But, uh, 
yeah, Ram, Rams for me. Cause I, this is a, I, I don't know when we could trust them after like, you know, it's like, just get them out of here at this point. Like let's just use them now before like they lose every, lose another offensive lineman. So yeah, Rams. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for the week. Number six action network NFL podcast presented by FanDuel. You can find Stucky on Twitter at Stucky two. You can find me at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles. On the free award-winning Action Network app where you can follow our bets or track yours. Uh, be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for all of our NFL betting content and college football and all of our other content as well. Don't forget to tune into BBOC, which will be out late Thursday, early Friday morning. Also, you can catch Sean Kerner and I with our player projections episode, which is out right now on this channel. Until next time, let's get this money. Go Ravens. Right,